Hi, everybody. Welcome to another enthralling, exciting, uh, dare I say, effervescent episode of The Brandon Show. I'm your host, Brandon Smith. Uh, this episode, we're going to talk about another one of my loves. It's called 007. The last full episode, I talked about beer, and I mentioned before that I'm a big James Bond fan, so I wanted to kind of delve a little bit into that. Hope there's some other 007 listeners out there. Maybe you'll learn some things. Maybe you'll get a greater appreciation for Agent 007. Uh, check out the movies. You know, they're on streaming. If you can pick them up at your local library. But I think if you're somebody who likes action adventure that's sustained itself over the decades, you really enjoy listening uh, to this podcast about 007. Before we get started, as always, want to let you know where you can find the show. Obviously, you're listening to it somewhere, but if you have friends or family members that are looking for podcast recommendations, I'd greatly appreciate if you tell them about The Brandon Show. The show can be found online, anchor.fm slash Brandon Show. Most of the major podcast apps were available. Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, so forth and so on. Please subscribe to the show. That way you'll always have the latest episodes drop right into your feed. Uh, if you have a podcast app that you're using that allows you to rate shows, please give me a five-star review. You can interact with the show via Twitter, Brandon Show Pod. You can email the show at thebrandonshow at mail.com. You'll know you're there on Twitter because you'll see everyone's favorite podcast, Mr. Ryan Marcus. So, on to Agent Devolution. My love and appreciation for James Bond movies it started probably my freshman year of college. I'm 43 years old, and like a lot of people my age, I did go to see a couple of the movies in theaters. I do remember my mom taking me to see the Timothy Dalton movies. That would have been 1987's The Living Daylights and 1989's License to Kill. I, you know, I appreciated the action. I didn't love the movies. The, the bad part about, unfortunately, License to Kill is it came out at uh, a, a summertime where the first Batman came out with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. It was also competing with the third Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which ironically was also starring the first cinematic James Bond, Mr. Sean Connor, along with Harrison Ford. So, you know, James Bond movies, at least as I've gotten to be an adult, are primarily released in the in the fall, in the late fall, you know, November or so or December. And that it just didn't work as a summer movie back in 1989. Plus, fortunes feels like Timothy Dalton had a level of grittiness that maybe audiences weren't ready for. But I, I digress. I started watching the movies, it usually be on Sundays, my freshman year of college. At the time I was going to an HBCU down south, and on one of the few cable stations that we got, I think it was TBS, they would show these you know, double features. It was usually a, a Connery followed by a, a more 007 movie. And, you know, you sort of just watch them in the background, but when you got a couple extra minutes, you kind of watch, you know, for 20, 30 minutes at a time. And, you know, I, I distinctly knew that there were at least two different men at the time uh, that I was aware of that had played 007, obviously, Sean Connery and Roger Moore don't look alike, and the Roger Moore movies were a little lighter, and there was some repetition in, in the plot, and then there was the, the 60s aesthetic in the in the Connery movies that made them a little bit uh, different, but you know, I liked the movies. There was a good amount of action, uh, 007 was really suave and debonair, 
you know, it was a good amount of, you know, sex without it being, you know, gratuitous. It wasn't porn, which you could find in another source if you wanted to watch it at the time, but not like the movie. So as, you know, those fall, you know, the spring of 94 turned into summer and the fall, um, I was able to acquire all of the movies on at the time VHS. I think the first two movies that I picked up was Dr. No, the original initial cinematic movie, 1962 with Sean Connery. And I think it was diamonds are forever was the second one that I got at the same time. Also with, with Connery was Connery's last official canon 007 movie, even though he did come back for the non-official part of the canon series, the Never Say Never Again, which came out in 1983. So little by little, at the time, once again, it was mostly, you know, the the, the Connery movies. I think it was six initially. You're looking at Doctor, and I used to be able to rattle this off a lot quicker in my head. There was a Doctor No from Russia with Love, Goldfinger, uh, Thunderball. Um, you only live twice, bah, 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 bah. and then Diamonds Are Forever. Those are his six official, and then you have the Roger Moore movies, uh, Live and Let Die, Man with the Golden Gun, Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker, uh, For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy, and A View to a Kill. So the the bulk of the series were really with just two men playing 007, and then I picked up the two um, Timothy Dalton movies that I mentioned before, Living Daylights and License to Kill. The last, and I remember this very distinctly, the last 007 movie that I acquired up to that point, mind you, now we're, we're still getting to late 94, going into 95, was the VHS tape of the one George Lazenby movie, on a secret service. And, and I remember that because I picked it up at a circuit city, which are now of course gone by the wayside. So here I was, it was going into the, by now the spring of 95. And I had all the movies from, um, 1962's Dr. No, all the way through 1989's, um, uh, license to kill. And I watched them and I, Became an appreciator. I was a, a member of the International Fan Club, which only gave me a couple of magazines that I would get really late in the game because they were coming all the way from the UK. And uh, I think of a signed Pierce Brosnan um, picture as well. Um, but, you know, I was, I was watching the movies pretty regularly and really appreciated, um, you know, the suaveness of Savoir Faire, the... The, the one-liners, the dry wit of 007. Well, then, lo and behold, it was announced, okay, the series is going to continue. And Mr. Pierce Brosnan, at that time, Remington Steele, from uh, Lawnmower Man, from Mrs. Doubtfire. I mean, the, the, the quintessential the physical characteristics of, of Bond. He was going to play 007 in a movie that was going to be coming out in late 1995. So there were just a, a bunch of um, specials. I know Fox had like a one hour special hosted by Elizabeth Hurley uh, about 007. There were all these introspective, um, introspective shows and or retrospective. I think retrospective is probably the right word. And it was just, it was just sort of this hype 
machine. And, and mind you, this is the internet was around, but it was nothing like it is now. And there were just a couple of websites out there um, dedicated to 007. So the, you know, as we say, the, the hype was real. Um, the cable show, cable network, I should say, E used to have a show, I want to say it was called Coming Attractions or something like that, where they would show movie trailers. Mind you, this is before YouTube. And I remember watching that and always having a blank cassette in my VCR on pause, ready to unpause it if they showed the trailer to Goldeneye. I mean, I look back on that like, my God, look, but you know, that's, that's how it was. And there were these, these Bond movies that went over the history of the series and all the Bond girls and the gadgets and the cars and all the, um, the different money pennies and M's. And it was just, you know, it was just a lot of hype. So I went to go see the movie. I think I, I was time 20 years old. I think, I think I took my mom. My mom has an, has an appreciation for, um, for action movies to this day. Whenever a new Mission Impossible comes out, I always go see it with my mom first. And she's hyped to know that it looks like Tom Cruise is going to have back-to-back movies coming out either, what, 21 and 22? I think he, just to mention, and, you know, Mission Impossible Fallout. I mean, that part of my language. That shit was nice. <laughs> that shit was nice. But but I, I did myself, well, we can do a Mission Impossible um, show another time. But back to 007. So I saw the movie. And... You know, I didn't. I didn't really know what to expect. You mind you, at, at this time it had been six years from '89 all the way to '95. So 007 had been off the scene. the The Berlin Wall had fallen. It felt like the Cold War, you know, was over. So this sort of natural um, enemy. Pardon me, I'm getting a little bit of water. This natural enemy of of 007 and and the Western powers was now gone. So you didn't really know how the movie was going to go. You didn't really know how 007 was going to fit. It was, you know, it was a time where we had, you know, so many, you know, sort of parodies had come out in the 60s. And you had a really good Bond-esque movie that had come out the year before, 1994's True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis. Once again, that's a great damn movie. It's funny. It's action-packed. It's got some suspense. I mean, it's, it's it's probably one of my favorite Arnold movies. It doesn't take itself overly serious, but it's not, you know, it's like it's not a kindergarten cop or twins silly. I mean, it's it's a legit action film with a good um, a good thread of humor going through it. So you're like, yeah, you know, I, don't, I just don't know about this 007. But as Robert Davy, the gentleman who played um, the bad guy in uh, License to Kill said, and of course his name has escaped me. That's when you're, it happens when you turn 43. Uh, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. He mentioned in one of the behind the scenes shows that there's nothing like being in a darkened theater and the first, you know, scenes of the, you know, the threads of the, the 007 movie music come out and, you know, you hear Sanchez. That was his name. His, the bad guy was named Sanchez. Um, it's just something special. And, you know, I've watched 007 movies on tablets, on my phone, at home. But there's nothing like being in the theater. And you see the, you know, the sort of the white 
ball going from left to right and then opening up and the gun barrel scene it, it it's it gives you it gives me chills you know to this day as a 43 year old you know so the movie came on and like solid two hours the music was a little bit different i think they had a, a david arnold i think was doing the the music but damn at the end you know you were like oh shit i need more of this i need more and I, I saw it a number of times in the theaters when I went to the dollar show, when I went back to school and they played it and I was hooked. And then back then, for those of you that maybe don't know how it was, you know, back in the mid nineties, it took a movie, a minute to come out for, for the home audiences. I mean, I, God, I mean, I want to say it was, we were well into 1996 by the time golden eye had come out. For VHS, of course, you know, picked up a copy, watched it all the time. Then in 1997, once again, late November, December, you had Tomorrow Never Dies come out. Um, the thing about Tomorrow Never Dies is I feel like for the, the Brosnan Bond movies, the first half, you know, we're talking about at this point an almost 20 21, 21, 22 year old movie. So if you ain't seen it yet, I don't want, I'm not trying to spoil much for you, but there's a scene where 007's car crashes into a renter car office. Everything up to that point felt like maybe one of his best 007 movies. It, it, it I, I don't feel like the movie from that point on was as good as everything that preceded it. But I liked the movie. He, he, you know, you could tell he was more comfortable in the part. He looked the part. He was quintessential Bond in his looks and his mannerism, how his suits fit. Then at the end of the, um, at the end of the nineties, you had the world is not enough that came out, and I, you know, I got to be honest, it, it was the first Bond movie that I had seen where it felt like it was just action sequences loosely held together with a ridiculous plot. Now, I, I, once again, I, I say this. The movie was fine. It's it's a fine movie. Once again, Brosnan, you know, he he looks the part. The, um, the, the pre-credit sequence, you know, looks amazing. You know, the, the, the boat chase and cigar girl, she's hot. But it just, I don't know. And it's uh, Denise Richards, beautiful woman, believable as a nuclear scientist. No, and the name Christmas Jones. It, and I'm not even going to knock her. I mean, you know, you don't, you, you know, the, you're not expecting sort of Shakespearean related efforts when you're seeing a Bond movie. It just. And Sophie Marceau was great too. Beautiful, once again, a great actress, beautiful woman, looked great in the role. Great, I felt like she had great chemistry with 007. I just wasn't. Eh, it was it was really meh for me. Fast forward to 2002. I'm out of school, gainfully employed, and Die Another Day comes out. Halle Berry, native of Northeast Ohio was in it. <sighs> Die another day. 40th anniversary too. So there were some um, some callbacks in the movie 
from earlier Bond movies. Um, some great scenes, some some great music. Um, Bond in Havana, um, ordering you know a mojito and smoking a cigar, and uh, you know I I'll admit it, it, it hasn't aged well. It was a it it, it had jumped a shark. You know the invisible car and the DNA splicing to make a North Korean look like a British man. It, yeesh, it it was rough. I mean, at the time, you once again you're walking out the theater, you know your chest kind of pumped out. I mean, but and the, once again, I felt like the few scenes he had with Halle Berry, there was some decent chemistry, and you know Halle looked you know, capable in her action sequences. And I know that at the time there was some talk of having a, a spinoff series featuring Halle Berry's character, Jinx, an NSA agent. So, but it, 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 mind you, it, it, excuse me, it had jumped the shark. So now you're wondering, okay, what's, what's going to happen now? And it became a time where there were, a lot of origin stories, a lot of reboots, um, a lot of series were kind of going back to their their origins. Batman, after you know the debacle that was, you know, Batman and Robin had kind of decided to, you know, regroup and reboot. And you had Batman Begins, you know, with God, what's it his name? Christopher Christopher Nolan as the um, director. And it, it did good. It was a really good movie, uh, really good origin story. It was grounded in a, a certain amount of realism that was needed by audiences at the time. So you heard rumors, you heard whispers, you know, you're on different websites uh, regarding 007 that they're going to finally do Casino Royale. Casino Royale being the first book in the Ian Fleming series. Well, you know, that's when Bond is sort of starting out. And you know, I don't know how old Brosnan was at the time. I, I, I'm sure he was solidly into his fifties, and you know, was he going to be the right person for it? And I will admit, there was a there's an actor by the name of Clive Owen, who I had always wanted to be the next 007. I saw him in a small independent movie, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mispronounce it, so the pronunciation um, gurus will get me. I don't know if it was Croupier or Croupier. He played a guy that worked in a British casino. I loved that movie. And he was in a series of short films, BMW, called the Hire series. If you haven't watched any of these short movies, you know, um, you know, I think I know John Woo was one of the you know, directors. I think Guy Ritchie was one of the yeah. Guy Ritchie was one of the directors. It's a it's a short film with uh, with Madonna when they were still married. It's a great series. Don Cheadle is in one, along with Ray Liotta. James Brown is in one of the short films. It's a fucking good series. Part once again, it's late. I'm 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 gonna cuss a couple more times. So sorry about that. Check it out. Just go to YouTube. You know, look up, just say, you know, BMW Films, The Hire, Clive Owen, whatever. You'll like it. You'll try, and you'll, if you see it and you like it, let me know. You'll, you'll appreciate it. So, I just sort of thought, okay, they'll make Clive Owen. So, you know, and then I, I want to say in 2005, it was announced that a gentleman by the name 
of Daniel Craig. There's a lot of pushback. You know, he was a little bit more craggy faced. He was blonde. You know, who is this guy? And I got him and I was like, damn, I, I've never seen or heard of this cat. It, this is the new 007? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> Hashtag, I don't know. So we're, we're looking at November of 2006 when Casino Royale is about to come out. And where I work, there's a little bit of flexibility when it comes to taking days off. <clears throat> so, mind you, this is, I'm married, but there are no kids. So, I don't have a lot of external, I should say this, I don't have the same level of external responsibilities. External responsibilities? I don't have the same level of responsibilities that I do now. Obviously, as a father of two and been married for 14 plus years and have a pet. At the time, no pet, no kids, just the missus. So I said, you know what? Fuck it. I took the day off. I took the day off to go see, uh, I think it was a midnight showing of Casino Royale. Mind you, you know, this is going back to the beginnings of Bond. I loved that damn movie. It was awesome. Maybe a wee bit longer than I would have liked, but awesome. Daniel Craig, phenomenal. It was action-packed. And I know that some people have said, oh, it's just like Jason Bourne. I think it was the bond that audiences wanted to see in that time. You know, he was the first bond that was born after the film series had started. He was in his late 30s. Action sequences were believable. They were harrowing. At the end of the movie, you ended up being tired your damn self. Great movie. Loved it. Couldn't wait for it to come out. I think by then I had a DVD player. So I couldn't wait for it to come out on DVD. Watched it to death. Saw it multiple times. Um, you know, I, I I think I saw it at midnight. Then I think I went back later on that 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 day and saw it again. Um, saw it, you know, with uh, you know, with family members. Saw it the dollar show. Just loved it to death. Fast forward, two thousand and eight. Wife is pregnant with with our son Bryce, and I remember our son was born on a Monday. He had to stay. At the the NICU, he was a little, he was a little, just slightly premature. He's he's healthy, knock on wood, everything, ten fingers, ten toes, he's good to go. But he didn't stay at the NICU, the neonatal, uh, neonatal care unit, neonatal intensive care unit, NICU, NICU. And he didn't, we didn't take him home until the following Monday. Well, that Friday, Quantum of Solace was coming out, so this was my. First 007 movie as a father. I got the wife's permission. I had to check with the boss. Because mind you, she's you know, she's tired. We've got a newborn at home. Like, baby, you know. Because I, I was able to take off a couple of weeks for, I think I've mentioned before, for paternity leave. So I asked her, say, hey, is it, is it okay if I, you know, can I go to the movie? She said, yeah, yeah. You know, she knew that 007 is a passion of mine. Uh, ran down to the local Cineplex. Midnight showing. Pre, you know, the first direct sequel Bond movie. You know, he's got Mr. White with him. I I didn't like the movie. I 
I didn't like the movie at all. Um, it felt complicated. It felt convoluted. I didn't, I didn't sense the menace in any of the bad guys. Um, the CIA's plot or in the movie seemed weird. Uh, the locations, you know, no, you know, Bregenz, Austria. It, it just, I mean, I, you know, I, it's just a place I never heard of. I just, I don't know. I just wasn't, I just wasn't feeling it. It's the first 007 movie since I started watching the movies that I only saw in the theaters once. Um, I, I really just didn't like it. Um, you know, I, you know, him and Strawberry Fields. I mean, she was in the movie so little, and then. He and Camille, who I thought had a good level of chemistry, they never slept together. And I know that may sound a little bit chauvinistic, but I don't, it just—I just wasn't feeling it. Um, I just wasn't feeling it. So it was a little bit of a downer. And I was like, okay, and was the plot? Was it him? I don't—I I just didn't know. I didn't know. A couple years go by. I think it was now maybe four years. So now you're looking at 2012. And Skyfall comes out. Skyfall might be the best 007 movie ever made. I mean, it, and even if you say that's ridiculous, it's definitely, to me, in that top five, you know, if you want to say, you know, most people would say their favorite movie might be Goldfinger. It's like, that's that quintessential Bond movie with Odd Job and Art Goldfinger and Pussy Galore. It's got the names, the double entendres, and the, the silent henchmen and the ridiculous plot. Um, from Russia with Love, some people love Thunderball. Um, people may say that Moore's best movies or Spy Who Loved Me and, um, you know, the For Your Eyes Only. I know GoldenEye is probably looked at as Brosnan's best movie, but whew, Skyfall is serious, man. I mean, it's it's got a good villain. It's got you know, um, you know great action, great chemistry with the the, the, the women in the movie. And I, I don't want to give away the ending. It moved me to tears. The end of Skyfall moved me to tears. And at that point, I realized it moved me to tears because of the emotional attachment that I've developed over, by then it had been almost decades of being with these characters. And of course, you know, the Adele singing the, the theme song. Amazing. Great movie. Great movie. Yeah, you could look back and say, well, how did this character know this? And how did Silva do that? I mean, look, you know, just, just as my wife sometimes says, just be in the moment. Don't overthink it. Just be in the moment. You'll enjoy it. It's a good movie. And then you fast forward to the most recent movie, which I think came out in 2015, Spectre. You know, I know some people, a lot of people are on the fence when it comes to Spectre. Spectre, admittedly, is not as good as Skyfall. You know, but that's like you know, saying, well, you didn't like 
the you know anything that Michael Jackson did after the Thriller album. I mean, you know, uh, you know, we're saying I'm never going to go to another Bulls game now that Jordan retired. I'm not going to go to another Cavs game after LeBron left. Uh, you know, it's it, the bar was set so high. How could it get there? I like Spectre. Um, I do admit there are some scenes that I watch more than others. I like the car chase scene when he's in the car and he's talking to Money Penny and Hinks is behind him. I like the scene on the train where Madeline walks down the aisle in that sort of shimmery, silvery dress. And Bond stands up and he looks at her. And she says, you shouldn't stare. He replies, well, you shouldn't look like that. I know there was a decent age difference between the two. What does it say? 15, 16, 17, some years. But at least for me, I felt like they had pretty damn good chemistry. And I liked her. Like, I was bracing myself for her not to live to the end of the movie. So the fact that she did make me feel pretty good. I feel like... Q was really comfortable in his role. Uh, ben Winshaw, um, who took over for John Cleese, who took over for the late Desmond Llewellyn. I, I felt like he, he really, he was Q. And he was a damn good Q in that movie. So, you know, now we're waiting until... Uh, is when the next Bond movie's coming out. Looks like it's coming out um, Valentine's Day of um, next year, which, damn, that's a while from now. And Bond movies, as I mentioned before, the last couple of um, entries into the series usually came out in November or December. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how a February Bond will be, but, you know, maybe the thought is there won't be a lot of competition. It'll be post holiday time. And, you know, depending on how well the movie goes, it can be available for, for streaming and for Blu-ray DVD sales sometime in the late summer. So, so, you know, we'll see how it goes, you know, with the series, you know, moving forward. I'm sorry about that. I'm a little distracted and I had to use that transition. Ryan, Marcus is getting into some things here in the in the studio, so I didn't want to just stop and have to fuss at him. He's he's a, he's a great little kid, but he's he's a rambunctious, overweight uh, kitten. Well, that's about it uh, for the show uh, today. I've rambled on incoherently longer than anybody needs to hear, so. Uh, you know, that's you know, just kind of, you know, my thoughts on 007. Um, you know, enjoy the series. It it was the catalyst for the love of of reading that I, I know, right? I know. Daddy's almost done. It's the catalyst for the love of reading I had. As I mentioned, that trip to Philadelphia with my parents back in the late 90s started me reading the novel. So um, love 007, love the movies, uh, you know, the I didn't talk much about them, but the, the Connery and the Moore movies, are they're fine, too. I mean, um, I was watching Dr. No recently. I mean, it, it it looks like and feels like an early 60s movie, but, you know, Connery looks great. 
Um, Ursula Andress and he, you know, good chemistry and quaddled. Miss um, Tarot and whatnot. It's it's a it's a good movie. I like From Russia with Love maybe a little more than Goldfinger. No, no, Goldfinger has more iconic scenes. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mister Bond. I expect you to die. Um, and of course, the ejector seat and the Aston Martin. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of, of Thunderball. A lot of underwater scenes. Uh, um, you only live twice has never really felt right to me. It's a bit of an odd movie. I, I would have liked to have seen Sean Connery and Honor Manager's Secret Service. I think George Lazenby was fine, but so often he was playing Sir Hilary Bray, and that character is kind of hard to sort of judge him. You know, those rumors of him and Diana Rigg having um, issues on the set. You never know how the movie would have been. Diamonds are forever. It really feels dated. Um, You know, Connery's performance, it feels like he's mailing it in to a certain extent, and his his hair doesn't look right. Um, You know, with the Moore movies... I, I, I was a fan of a while... And still am of the '70s black exploitation movies. Um, you know, um, of course, Shaft, Shaft's big score, and Dolomite, and Coffee, and um, you know some other things. I, when I watch Live and Let Die, it feels like a Bond take on a black exploitation movie. Uh, you know, eh, it's okay. You know, so and yes, we. And the funny thing is, when you're watching like the next movie, 1974, is the man with the golden gun. It's a shit silly movie, but it's fun. Knick knack and Scott Manga and the third nipple and all that. And Barbara Bach was gorgeous and the spy who loved me. I liked seeing Jaws in that movie. Jaws hadn't jumped a shark. Um, like he had when he came back in Moonraker. Moon, you know, let's, let's, let's be real. Um, I love, I, uh, you know, rest in peace, Sir Roger Moore. I love him. I love what he did as Bond. I mean, he had some really silly-ass movies. I mean, Moonraker was silly as hell. Um, I mean, the plot of Spy Love Me was silly, but I think he and Barbara Bach and Jaws made it good. Uh, Octopussy was silly as fuck. And... A few to a kill. He was just too damn old to be Bond. He was, what, 56, 57? And it was just weird. So um, I, I feel like the Dalton, Brosnan, and Craig movies have, because there have been fewer of them, of course, seem to have fewer pure clunkers than some of the more and Connery movies, you know, regarding Dalton, great actor, took the role very seriously, went back to the source material, you know, he read Ian Novin's model, uh, Ian Fleming's uh, novels. I don't know if he had the best scripts. I mean, to this day, the license to kill is kind of complicated. I mean, it's got heroin, opium, and Afghanistan, and freedom fighters, and Mujahideen. It's fucking complicated. Um, And he was sort of a chaste bond. You know, he only slept with, well, on screen, 
slept with one woman, the cellist, and then you know, living led. I mean, a license license to kill probably would have been better off in the two thousands. Um, I can see how it maybe didn't do as well as they would have liked. Plus, once again, it was a summer movie going against some other stuff. So, well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna call it a call it a pod. Um, those are my thoughts on on 007. If you want me to do more movie series, I can. If you want me to get into Mission Impossible, Indiana Jones, horror movies, and that's a, that isn't where this pod is going. But every once in a while, you kind of want to keep it somewhat lighthearted and pop culture esque. I am not going to do an Academy Awards show. I haven't seen enough of those movies to know what's what. I saw Black Panther, but I don't know any of those other movies. So I'm not the person you want to listen to regarding those. Hey, this is The Brandon Show. I'm Brandon Smith. Um, Somewhere behind me in the studio is Ryan Marcus, my cat, the world-famous pod cat. This show can be found anchor.fm slash Brandon Show and motion major podcast apps from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Podbean, Castbox, um, Overcast. If I said that already, sorry about that. It's late. Um, listen, subscribe to the show so that you'll always be updated initially when the show comes out. Uh, give me a five star review. Interact with the show, Brandon Show Pod on Twitter. Email the show at thebrandonshow at mail.com. Another bonus episode will probably be hitting your feeds later on this week. And, you know, once again, another full-length episode. If not earlier, kind of depends on the schedule and how cold it's supposed to be. I've seen reports that here in Northeast Ohio might be, gosh, minus one, minus two, minus three as the high (laughs) um, on Wednesday and minus teens and wind chills in the minus 20. So, you know, Jack, like I said before, Jack Frost will be nipping in more than just your nose. Everybody, wherever you are, be safe. Have a great week. God bless you all. Love you. Thank you so much for the support. Let me know how you feel. Oh, one, one other thing I, I do want to quickly mention. I mentioned podcasts that I do listen to earlier, but there is one more show that I'd want you to listen to. Um, it's a buddy of mine from overseas. It is uh, Adrian Ridgway. It's the Adrian Ridgway Show. Ridgway spelled R-I-D-G-W-A-Y. A- the Adrian Ridgway Show is a, a father of two in, in England. Um, check a show out. It's I, I, I enjoy uh, listening to it. Episodes aren't aren't too long under 10 minutes or so. So it'll be easy to digest, but check out the, check out the Adrian Ridgeway show when you get a chance. Also uh, check out a show by um, Pedro Pena. It's called my stuttering life. It's also on, on anchor. Um, it's a, it's a show about a husband, father, air force, Gulf war veteran, entrepreneur, Who's a fighting? Who's fighting and struggling with stuttering? So I think it's it's an inspiring story. You should check out uh, those two shows, uh, fellow fellow anchor podcast brothers. So I'm Brandon Smith. This is the Brandon Show. Thank you so much. Take care. God bless. <laughs>